Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of our CPL Newsroom Show. Christian Jack, alongside as ever, Charlie O'Connor-Clark with you to review week three in the Canadian Premier League that saw 15 goals in four matches, including the first ever 6-1 in CPL history that was effectively a 1-6 as Valor stomp all over previously defeated unbeaten Atletico Ottawa in the nation's capital. If you missed them, results from week three, York United 2, Cavalry FC 0, goals from Oliver Minatel and Azazi Di Rosario again. Uh, Forge defeat FC Edmonton by three goals to nil, two from Terran Campbell, one from Tristan Borges, who also was assisted by Terran Campbell. Pacific FC continued their dominance, three wins from three, as they narrowly defeat Halifax Wanderers through goals from Manny Aparicio and a penalty from Alejandro Diaz. Corey Bent with a free kick for the Wanderers. And Atletico Ottawa won, Valor FC 6. That's right. Uh, actually, all seven goal scorers by Fala players. Jonathan Siro <laughs> with an unfortunate own goal. Uh, a brace for Moses Dyer and Alessandro Rigi. And, of course, goals from Rocco Romeo and a screamer from Brett Levi's. Again, every week, Charlie, we're having brilliant goals. And we have to Always. start here. No other place to start than, as I said, in the nation's capital. Um, good to see you again, my friend. A remarkable result and performance. Yeah. Yeah, this... Uh... I, I don't know if I would have picked the uh, the Valor Ottawa game to be the massive goal fest of the weekend, uh, <laughs> but this was a lot of fun. If you're a Valor fan, maybe not so much if you're if you're in Ottawa in the nation's capital. Uh, it was a, a a very very strange game, I think, especially in the first half. It was it was close at times. Valor gets a couple of those goals, and then uh, and then you know Ottawa pulls the one back, as as you'll see on the screen here. They pull this back with. It's a tough shot. It's it's a little bit uh, a little bit tough to get credited with the own goal for that. I one. agree. I agree. Um, but it's 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 a hard hit ball from Tissot. and at that point, it really felt like Ottawa was not out of it until here, where Valor scored two more goals at the end of the half, the very end of the half, and from there, it's a blowout. And it's crazy just how quickly this game can change because up until that point, I didn't think Ottawa had played that badly. They'd had some chances, certainly. They, yeah. I think, they were about about matching Valor for shots at that point in the match. That when they scored, it really felt like they actually could have gotten back into that game, and that's what everybody in the Ottawa camp said. Ollie Bassett certainly said that in his post match availability. He, they felt like they could get back into it, but then you just get those two punches in the face right before halftime, and you're done. You can't really recover from that. So it's an unbelievable day for Valor. A lot of fun, some really entertaining football and, and goals from them with their individual quality. Uh, and just a, a real stunner from Ottawa, who definitely will will feel a little shocked after that one. Yeah, I'd say. I mean, if you come into the season, you come into it two games in, winning one 0 back to back clean sheets, and everyone's pumping your tires, and then suddenly you get smashed six one at home. That's a that's a, enough to to yeah. be grounded, no doubt about it. Um, we're going to get into Valor a lot. We're going to be joined by Willie McKeo, who was a sensational individual performance as well. Uh, but before we do that, let's dissect this from an Ottawa point of view a little bit. Let's bring in Benedict Rhodes, our correspondent in this game. Um, and he used a great word in his analysis. You can go read this on campio.ca, calling Valor ruthless. And I thought that was absolutely a perfect word to describe it. Benedict, great to see you, my man. Um, your overall observations went right in the, one from the, the game from this. We've heard what Charlie had to say. Um, from an Ottawa point of view, you must have been pretty shocked to see this game just get out, get off the rails pretty early. Yeah, I think Ollie Bassett said well when he said uh, Ottawa can't let themselves get too high or let themselves get too low after a win or a loss because you know something this happens, right? Like I think they were they were flying. They were the only team to not concede through two games, I believe, and then they come. They, I think now they've probably conceded the most goals in the league, so uh, they need to maybe rec- put this one behind them quickly, quickly turn their attention to the next game. Um, but yeah, this one was just. Uh, it, it was just a capitulation, I guess, maybe another good word to use. Like, they just they just couldn't recover from the, the first goal. They were, Valor were all over them early, and then it just kept coming and kept coming, and then they get back into it, and then it just keeps coming again and again, and, and, and uh, they just, just kind of folded under the pressure and um, maybe panicked a little bit, I think I said in my, in my analysis at times. Like, they maybe weren't sure what to expect, and, and at times they kind of let it get away from them and, and turned into six goals. Before we it's, get to Carl, before before we get to Carlos Gonzalez, sorry, sorry, Charlie, I just want to ask yeah. Benedict again. That Ottawa team, when you saw it come up, like many of us, were you surprised at some of the changes? Yeah, I think uh, you know Ben McKendree, I think was the biggest one. McDonald Neba as well, like you know, you know, good defender. He's been for the first couple of weeks, so I maybe made sense to get Abdus Sissoko a game, but I don't think center back is his, his main position, so that was a bit of a strange one. 
I think you could tell they really missed Drew Becky in that game. Of course, who, who's still one more game out, I believe. So, um, yeah, I think I think McKendry was a bit more of a surprise because Chris Manala wasn't fully fit. Yes, he, he couldn't start. They ended up starting uh, young new sports defender Jose Cunha. So, um, yeah, again, I thought he was another player who looked at maybe a little bit not quite ready to start yet, mm. especially jumping into such a big game with with uh, Ben McKendry starting and, and playing very well in the first couple of games. But again, it's a learning experience for him. He's, he's going to learn from this. He's going to, and, and so will Abdus Sissoko. Of course, he's much more experienced, but um, I think it was interesting to see him play at center back. And I don't think he was maybe fully comfortable. And you tell by a couple of mistakes that he made, especially in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a difficult one for Ottawa. It's very hard to get yourself back into a game when you go down once. It's almost impossible to do it multiple times. Right, you you get your chance, you get your foot back in the door, and then you're hit again before halftime. That's usually lights out. And the the squad changes were weird. I mean, Gonzalez admitted after the game that they were completely tactical. He felt that Sissoko and, and Jose Cunha could help them control the ball more in that game. And I think he kind of put his hand up and said it didn't really work. So you know, they they reverted to defending in more of a back four in this game. Again, didn't necessarily work out much very well for them. But you learn. It's a coach in his third game with a team. Uh, when you see something that clearly doesn't work, then you know that you can't necessarily do that next time. And it's important to learn that. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point, actually, because, you know, we, we were all shocked at the lineup and he did go right out and answer the question, which is important. Mm-hmm. In fact, let's hear from him. Let's hear from Athletic Ottawa boss Carlos Gonzalez after the 6-1 loss at home to Valor. Everything. Everything went wrong. I think we they did the perfect game and we did our worst game. Uh, there was a, a clear plan uh, of of how to maintain the the speed and how to maintain the the individuals, and we weren't capable to to attach keep attached to to that plan. I think that we we started to lose the game in the in the individuals because they started stronger than us. They started to win every deal, and uh, after this, I think that we didn't manage well the key moments of the game. I think that um, there were two key moments. First of all, uh, after after the penalty, okay, not very clear penalty, but it's a penalty. The, the referee decides it's a penalty. And uh, after this, I think that we started to think more on the referee that that on the game on, on what was happening. So we give them the option to score the second goal very very fast, and uh, then we started to return. To the to the game, we started to return of, of what was our plan, what we wanted to do during the game, and uh, we we get close, we get to the two one, but then it happened the second key moment of the game that it was that we didn't deal well, we didn't manage well the the three minutes that were left in the first half, we were in the game, but we reacted like if it was the three minutes of the game. Not the three minutes uh, that uh, the second half was still uh, going to happen, and we still had forty-five minutes to get there. So uh, it was difficult to receive two goals before the second half. Mentally, uh, this was like a hammer to to us. And uh, then we tried in the second half, but with not big conviction. I think that the second half was uh, having conclusions, or clear conclusion of the second half. Uh, it's not a good thing to do today. Very honest assessment from once that they dug out. Uh, that's Ottawa. We're going to get to Valor in a second with Benedict and, of course, here from the star man himself, Willie McHugh, who joined the show. Before we hear more from Benedict on this, let's hear from the other side of the dugout, Phil DeSantos, on a five-goal win. I think every coach would, would like to have a, a sound uh, defensive game and score goals. Um, I think that we played on the front foot. We weren't afraid to uh, to press. We weren't afraid to step on them, uh, to deal with the space that was behind us. And uh, you get rewarded because you're going to recover balls in good spaces. And uh, again, I need to go and re- rewatch the beginning of every action and, and how we scored our goals. But uh, I think that this is a, a game and the, the guys know uh, we've been talking about this a lot. We need to be a threat. We need to score goals by volume. Uh, and, and that's what we did today. And when I say by volume is that the more you put at goal, the more you threaten at goal, uh, 
create a separation and just put a ball in, put a cross, get numbers in the box, there's going to be good things that will happen. And um, I don't want to also people you know, to, to amplify things. It's not going to be possible to score uh, six goals every game, but at least you give yourself a chance to, to, to win matches. No, they certainly gave him the chance to win this one. Um, the great thing about this Valor performance was we didn't see them at their best, Benedict, first two weeks. You know, the terrible conditions in Edmonton, and it's never easy going to Starlight, right? They, they just couldn't get the ball from Pacific to go down a man. This was the Valor we saw under Phil de Santos last year that ended the season 10 goals in three games at the end that blew Cavalry away with four. They got three in Edmonton. This is the Valor we saw under, under this coach last season, and we should be all excited about that, Ben. Yeah, I think uh, Phil DeSantos has, has spoken about how you know training this week has been very good, and they've been excited, and they've also wanted some redemption. They wanted to to make up for that game against against Pacific, where they had the red card and, and the injury as well, and they never really got going against Pacific. They scored on a known goal and a, and a penalty, so uh, they wanted to. And uh, Phil also said he, he really pushed Alessandro Rigi in this ahead of training in this game uh, for this game. Sorry, because he said there's another gear that he can, he can reach, and and he pushed him, and he he got that response that he wanted, and. And Regis scored twice and looked fantastic. And uh, as Phil said, and as, as we all know, Regis can can be a very, very good player in this league. And if they can get him, get him going and keep him at this at this level, then they can be even better, I think. And and uh, he said, if they ever if he ever deviates from that good form, he's just going to show him the highlights of this game and and uh, then trying to re inspire him. And I think uh, Love that. Know, a healthy and and a, and a positive Alessandro Regis is, is a player that any team in this league would want, especially Valor who. Now, you know, four, five, six players in that attacking unit who can all plug in and, and, and make very good things happen. Yeah, I mean, we mentioned Valor in training this week. I think the other thing is that they actually got to train well this week. Because <laughs> I, know, I know the week before it was difficult with all the all the snow in Winnipeg and, you know, snow all over every every pitch. So I think when you get a proper week of training, more or less, it's, it's more conducive to playing well. But uh, yeah, this game was fascinating, right? Like, it showed how much individual quality there isn't Valor, right? I mean, I mean, we're going to hear from Willie in a few minutes here, and he's certainly one of those guys. But uh, the way that they were able to kind of attack Ottawa like that and draw defenders in, play teammates off each other just because of individual quality, individual quality, and eventually Ottawa has to sit back on them, right, and invite them into that space, yeah, which is going to cause the blowout, right? Because when you see somebody again like Willie draw defenders in when they overcommit. And then beat them on the dribble. Eventually, the defenders have to just give you that space, and that's how you find the teammates to score all of those goals. So uh, it's certainly a fascinating thing, and it's it's fun to see that that is still in the arsenal for Valor. Yeah, Benedict, what were your thoughts on Akio? I thought I'd, like arguably one of the most indi best individual performance I've seen in league history. What was you? What did you think? Yeah, he's extremely unlucky to finish the game with zero goals and zero assists. I think like he. He set up. He set up. He set up the Rigi goal with a fantastic cross. He set up Moses Dyer with a, with an amazing pass as well. He hit the post with one shot. He forced a huge save out of England with another shot. He he was all over the place. And like Charlie said, anytime Ottawa was slightly out of position, he was exploiting that space. And and you know he, he's so quick and and it's impossible to keep up with him once you once you're past him, especially for someone like Max Tiso, who for example, who was also tasked with with attacking as well as defending. So if he was slightly out of position because he was up the pitch trying to make Somehow for his team, then Akia was in all this all this space that he could exploit, and and then Ottawa's backline was was unable to stop him. So he he was fantastic. He he made things happen, and and I think you know he he'll be one of the best players in this league if he can keep doing that on a regular basis. And there's no there's no signs to indicate that he won't be able to do that. No assists, no goals. Whoever said stats don't lie was lying, right? <laughs> like that was just like that say that. Uh, Mitchell asks, uh, hopefully Andrew Jambaptiste is okay. A huge storyline being overshadowed by the scoreline. Just so we're aware, Phil DeSantos confirmed after the game it was in fact a hamstring on the opposite leg from his last, obviously his difficult knee injury last year. Not ideal, but thankfully not as bad that initially looked out. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that. But Andrew Jambaptiste obviously just a, a just a colossus, uh, massive, massive help for them going forward. And hopefully we wish him well in recovery. Benedict, great job, my man. Thanks for joining us today. Again, you can check out Ben's analysis piece on campiel.ca. And uh, we appreciate all your hard work. Thanks for joining us. And we'll chat with you next week. Thanks, guys. Benedict Thanks, ben. Rhodes, we appreciate Ben. And we do the little substitution. Uh, out goes Ben. In comes Willie. Let's bring in the man himself, Willie McKeo. 
uh, who is, I think, still in Ottawa. Uh, yeah. Gets to travel home today. Willie, Christian, and Charlie, great to see you, my man. How are you feeling today after the day after a special game? I'm good, feeling good. Woke up nice and early. Went to go to the pool, do a little bit of recovery. So I'm feeling good right now. This That's this good. was a very special day for you guys, no? Like, I mean, how was it? How was the atmosphere in the dressing room last night? And I'm sure as you had a little team dinner, the mood I'm sure was a lot higher than normal. Yeah, no, it was it was really good. I feel like um, you know, getting a big win on the road was exactly what we needed, especially after a rough two weeks prior. And um, yeah, everyone's everyone's faith is up. Everyone's happy. We're dancing in the locker room. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, work's not done yet. We got to just carry this, you know, team more obviously team camp into next week. Yeah, you mentioned those first tough two weeks. There were two very difficult away games in Edmonton and then in Pacific. Uh, and then you come into Ottawa, who is also a team that had been playing very well, defending very well, certainly in the first two games. So where did you go, Where did that confidence kind of come from? Because you looked like an extremely confident team on the pitch in Ottawa yesterday after maybe you score one goal and then does that kind of just open the floodgates for you guys? Yeah, for sure. It's like you look at the first game, you know, the last minute banger, you know, that, that hurts, and then you carry it on to the next week and grab a red card. So I feel like the boys just, uh, they were really hungry. They wanted to prove a point to everyone and themselves, and I feel like that's where it came from. And after we got the first goal, we knew that we could just keep going and score more. Willie, I want to ask you about your coach. Um, obviously, no one likes to see someone lose a job. You had Rob Gale last year. who was a very popular mm. man. But I don't think anybody, and you can tell me this yourself, benefited more than the change at the end of last season in terms of minutes played, at least. You started every game under him last year. You're the only player to do so in 10 games last year. You scored five goals in 10 games at the end of last season, and now you've started again on fire. What's it like working under Phil, and and how much has he, has he changed the attacking philosophy of, of your club? Yeah, working with Phil has been uh, has been really good, uh, personally for me as well. He's he's really hard on really, really demanding and ta- like tactical shape, positioning, and he brought he brought a structure, and... Uh, I feel like we've we've really started to buy into that structure now, and it's uh, things are going very well. Uh, Phil is, uh, like I said, very very demanding, but I feel like you need that in the coach if you want to succeed, if you want to win championships. So, I really appreciate that from him. Willie, we've certainly seen what you personally can do in the CPL. If anybody hasn't seen the individual goal you scored last year, uh, I think Phil <laughs> Phil called it like one of the best goals he's ever seen. Anybody who hasn't seen that needs to go watch that. But. Uh, just you, you personally, you've got to be kind of running with a lot of confidence after that game. I know technically, you know, you're you're robbed of the actual assist numbers for that game. Yeah. But uh, we, just, we've got you back, man. We don't yeah. we won't forget. We won't forget the performance. <laughs> we, don't, we don't need stats to tell us. Carry on. No. Yeah. But uh, just can you just speak a little to how much confidence you've got personally out there playing on that right wing with these players alongside you? No, I've, I've been gaining a lot of confidence just every game and every time I have a really good performance. It just it helps me and it, it gives me reassurance to myself that I can play at this level, I can play at a higher level. And uh, just what I'm going to continue to do, just stay happy, go to training with a smile on my face and uh, just keep at it. And then just quickly, sorry, Christian, I know that okay. you know you, you missed a bit of training camp, right, when you were on international duty with, yeah. uh, with, with South Sudan. So maybe does it feel a little bit like you're starting to get your feet under you a little bit more, start clicking with this group more? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I feel like the... The preseason games that I missed with the, with the squad was actually very important for me. and uh, But now I'm starting to feel my legs again, starting to connect well, even with players like Rigi. Um, it's, it's, it's looking good, and I'm happy. Willie, you talk about the structure. Our guest is Willie McKeo, uh, one of the stars of the week, no doubt about it, after a dominant performance by Vala. You talked on the structure there about Phil DeSantis. So I wonder if you could just get into a little bit more details about some of that. What's he brought? Uh, from our end, it looks like, not to take away that you guys are not a possession-based team because you've got some real good technical footballers there, but you guys look really strong in transitional game. Is that something that you guys have worked a ton on? Because you think about a lot of your goals that you've scored under him, they've come very quickly from winning the ball mm. back from the ball going in the back of the net. Yeah, no, for sure. It's like um, like we've been training, obviously, with our with our structure, and especially for like a team like uh, Ottawa that kind of sit back and let you play. You know, our, our plan was to just go out at them, press them. And when we lose the ball, one thing that Phil's really been implementing on with the squad is to come back, stay in their shape and hold the shape. And, uh, you know, at first it was, it was quite hard. It was very demanding. But as we started to get, you know, get more familiar with it and get more comfortable with it, it's, uh, it's, it's been getting a lot easier. One of the things that's always difficult for a coach is 
getting all of his attacking players on the pitch in a good way. You know, you you got you out there, Sean Rea, Moses Dyer, obviously, you know, Rigi as well, starting to come into this squad. He's, he's new, obviously from last year. Uh, I know Willie, you're comfortable playing in a bunch of different positions. I think you had some games kind of in a two last year and you're on the wing yesterday. What's the directive that you've had from Phil in terms of what your role should be with this team? Um, Phil, he wants me to stay out wide because, you know, I'm very fast and I got to use that to the best of my abilities. And um, I'm really comfortable with where he has me right now. You know, there's times like in the Pacific game, I have to drop in right back and I try my best. But I feel like just on the wing is, is like is where, I, is where I do my best. And I'm just going to continue to work on my movements, you know, my defensive pressure and everything. Charlie's talking about how hard it is to get all the attacking players onto Valor. Trust me, we had that problem getting all the attacking players onto the team of the week this week. Uh, apologies for sure. Apologies to Sean Ray, who I'm sorry we couldn't get you in, but maybe we'll try again. Um, a couple more minutes, Willie Bacchio. Uh, Jeff Salisbury, whose birthday it is in the chat, uh, wants us to talk more about Brett Levi's wonder goal. Uh, so let's ask you about this, my man. What a special goal that was. No, he said Brett was... said after the game he didn't know he even had it in him. So what about you? What did you think of it? It was, I was, I kind of just, I was just watching him. Like I was watching him with like a YouTube video or something. I like, I wasn't even in position really. I was kind of like watching him go through five players. And I'm like, is he going to pass it to me? Or is he going to smack this? And he shot with his right foot. And this is something that Brett, you know, does in trainings. He likes to dribble and take a shot off, but you know, it goes left, it goes right over the net, but it was just perfect. And uh, I think uh, that's uh, definitely a contender for goal of the year for sure. An early one. I think even he was surprised he could hit it like that with his right foot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, you guys, you're three games in now. You've got this win. You started You started the season entirely on the road, but I think you uh, you host Forge next weekend in yeah, that home opener. That's going to yeah. be a massive one, especially against a club that that also won this weekend in pretty, mm-hmm. pretty convincing fashion. But how important is it to a team to get a win like this, a big moment like this under your belt and that kind of that, that, that sort of moment under your belt before you go home, before you get to these moments where you want to pick up those points and, at IG Field. Yeah, I know. That was the plan to, you know, come out of here with something. And now that we came out of it with three points, I feel like the confidence of all the boys is, is high, levels up high. And we're just going to bring it into next week and try to give a forge a defeat at home. Last one for you, Willie. Obviously, you got a few games at home now. I think your next away game is actually at BC Place in the Canadian yes. Championship game against the Whitecaps. Uh, how big of a circle is that marked on your calendar right now as a club? Uh, yeah, very, very big game. Um, Whitecaps are good. Uh, I feel like, you know, all the boys are really, really excited. I remember when the draw was happening, we were all watching it together, and uh, uh, um, hopefully we can make history. Well, we'll be backing you for do that as well, and you continue to make history. Uh, foot soldiers are saying we always love Willie Akio, so shout out for you guys there as well from the foot shoulders in the chat. So, Willie, safe travels back for you and the team again. Fantastic performance on Sunday. Uh, continue the brilliant work, my man, and we'll chat with you again soon. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks, a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. Uh, just a star in this league. And if you've not seen it, I didn't get into it with him today, but his, uh, Charlie, his social media presence is certainly one that people should be following. Yes, yes. I think uh, when, when we went to uh, to Winnipeg in preseason and uh, asked some of their players who was most likely on a team to be TikTok famous, it was absolutely just unanimous that it was Willie. So, <laughs> a fun guy, a good character off the pitch, and an unbelievably fun player to watch on the pitch in our league. So pay attention. Yeah, pay attention. Uh, I'm so glad that he gets the love that he deserves. And uh, as I said, stats, sometimes they do lie. Um, uh, let's move on. Let's move on to our next game. We'll get Alex in shortly, probably in the next five or ten minutes. But before we get Alex in, who was there at the Starlight Stadium, we're going to talk about it so we can roll the highlights of this one. As Pacific FC remain top of the table. That's right. They narrowly defeated Halifax Wanderers 2-1 on Starlight Stadium on Saturday this week. They played there. Again, a good start by them. And again, uh, early candidate for player of the year. Should we start after week three? Manny Aparicio with a big header uh, to make it 1-0 after great work again by Alejandro Diaz, who's been tremendous as well. Aparicio puts him up 1-0. And at that point, pretty dominant. Uh, maybe an unnecessary tackle that led to a free kick. Uh, bend it like bent as Corey, the Preston boy, uh, turns in a fantastic goal there to make it an equalizer. And at that point, Charlie, Halifax really started to defend well. They do not have the attacking flair that Pacific have. But they are good without the ball, and they looked like they were going to get a point out of this one until late in the game, more uh, pressure from Pacific. In the end, Marco Bustos gets on the wrong side of Tabby, 
Uh, challenging the box that looks to touch, he wins the ball initially, but looks to go through on Bustos. Referee awards a penalty. And at that point, it wasn't Bustos that stepped up. It was actually Diaz. And Charlie, he gets the winner in this one. He does. He does. And I think Diaz is now tied with Moses Dyer in the golden boot race very early in the season. Uh, yeah. Also, I, I do think it was a penalty, by the way. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Halifax deserves some credit from this game because they certainly know that they can't necessarily play the the kind of expansive football that Pacific often play with their their wing play and their their final third little intricate passes and stuff like that. But they obviously defend very well, as they've shown actually for three games at the start of this season. Um, and their midfield was was very, very good in this contest. You know, Andre Rampersad was, I think he won the ball like 15 times or something so in this good. game. Yeah. Plugging things up there. He was, he was phenomenal. He even kind of was starting to feel himself a little bit at times. Just going up on the dribble. I think it, I think he was the one that, that, you know, caused Samaki to pull him down for the free kick Correct. that Corey Bent scored. Uh, so he's got that in the locker. He doesn't necessarily get a lot of chances to show us, but because he's usually such a, such a vital holding midfielder sitting very deep, but he's good on the ball. And then Jeremy Gagnon Lapparay was also, as he has been through three games in this season, very, very good, very comfortable on the pass. He's got a very calming presence, I think, in that midfield. And that's something that you certainly need against Pacific, uh, who are a team that you know can really, really, really attack you quickly. And they can get into your final third and then just absolutely start cutting you up with these passes. So it's important to be able to cut that off earlier as Halifax were. Yeah, I'm going to ask Alex a little bit about that later on as well about that midfield. Before we get into more on this game, let's go to some reaction. Uh, let's have first from Corey Bent, who pulled off a magnificent free kick and the equaliser and obviously left uh, Victoria wanting more than no points in this one. It's a tough game for sure. You know, whenever you come out here, uh, hard travel, you know what you're going to get with Pacific. They're going to play football, they're going to battle. Um, you know, it was a really tough fought game. I thought it was pretty even for the most part. Um, just couldn't come up with with what we needed to to get more out of the game. You know, I thought we deserved at least a point out of that, but um, that's football sometimes, you know, like just got to keep going with it. Um, be nice to go home next week. You know, we played three games on the road. So hopefully we can just move on from this one um, and keep rolling forwards. So I thought we played really well, just didn't get the result we, we wanted at the end. As usual, a very honest reaction from Corey Bent, who's uh, becoming a big part of this team. Uh, Charlie, yeah. in, a, in a team that doesn't have a lot of goals. And now, obviously, since we last spoke, Jean Morelli out for the season, they're going to need to get more offensive help. But Bent is growing into being a real leader, an attacking leader on this club. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely is. And in many senses, he has to be. But yeah, he plays on the left in this game. I think he played on the right wing the first two games because he was kind of doing those those underlapping runs with Zach Fernandez. So he's on the left in this one. And I think he was very, very good. He was able to make a few more of those kind of runs in behind that he wants to make. Uh, he's got obviously a, a ton of pace. He can take on most center backs in the league and beat them. Uh, so he's definitely going to be a very important piece for this club as they go forward. And cause they need obviously guys who can create things in the final third. And, you know, you hope that the finishing from open play comes as well because they, uh, yeah, certainly don't have any choice, but to hope that that comes along. <laughs> Yeah, they're going to have to sign someone, no doubt about it. Uh, before we wrap up, Halifax, let's hear more from their boss. Here's Stephen Hart. Yeah, I mean, uh, they, I, I thought uh, Pacific, uh, you know, struggled to deal with the press. Um, so we were, we were making them make passes that they're maybe playing a little faster than they, they would have liked. Um, and, and I thought we were doing well. We we made a mistake on the on the fourth, first goal. Uh, the line was a little too too deep and gave them some some position. And then the second goal was a penalty. Um, but it it was a game of very few chances for both teams. And I always felt that the game was going to come down to either a tie or a set play in the end. You know, because uh, the time was running out. Let's bring in our man, Alex Gangarizic, who was at the stadium and is covering more air miles than anybody in Canadian soccer history, I think, here in 2022, uh, flying around the world. Alex, great to see you, my man. Before we get to the leaders of this Canadian Premier League, three wins from three Pacific, uh, we just heard from Stephen Hart there. We know they've not got a lot of attacking flair right now. We know Morley's out, but your thoughts on them, and I know you've certainly focused on their midfield in their recap in terms of how industrious and how hardworking they are and difficult to break down. 
Yeah, for sure. I think that's a big part of what they, you know, they, they want to be about kind of heading into this game. That's something I honed in on looking at their defensive record. It was stellar. I mean, just conceding the one goal through through two games now, uh, obviously three goals, but just the advanced stats like they, they're allowing less than expected goal per game. They're not allowing many shots. Uh, I think that was something to to expect. Anytime you hold a team like Pacific, who's scoring for fun, to just I think it was five shots, two of them on target, you have to be happy. I mean, on on one hand, we'll talk about how Pacific was able to turn those limited chances into goals, but for for Halifax, that's a great uh, day at the park when you're going to defend like that. Their back four is just so solid, uh, no matter who they rotate in at center back and at fullback and then midfield. Yeah, it really starts with Andrea Rampersad and Jeremy Gagnon Lapare, who I thought. Uh, you know, had had Halifax grabbed a draw or a win, they, one of those two probably, honestly, Gagnon Lapare or Ramper said would have been my player of the match. They just the way they control the game, they make short little passes, they they just kind of float around in the pocket. Defensively, they're rarely caught out. Always at least one or two of them in position, and then you kind of add the the fullbacks, uh, Fernandez. You know how how that kind of interacted. I think that's you know that back six, the base they have is is fantastic. From there, it's kind of I think they're going to have to figure out okay, who do you c- kind of put in at the number ten? Because I thought Pierre Lamoth when he got on the ball, he did good things, but f- for whatever reason, he looked uncomfortable. He just wasn't finding the sort of pockets you need to find that Morelli was finding when when he was out there the the weeks prior. They're going to have to figure out how they can get their front three more involved. But that back six. That's a very, very solid foundation. I think how they held Pacific to, to the chances they did is a, a very fair reflection of that. Absolutely. And I think when Aiden Daniels comes back healthy, that will go a long mm-hmm. way towards what you said is getting that front three more involved as a more advanced midfielder. Uh, but, you know, I, I spoke about it, but Alex, I want to ask you about that that attack. You know, Corey Bent, Sam Salter, Akeem Garcia start up front. I think Akeem Garcia is probably at this point the most important player in Halifax because if he does well and he scores lots of goals then they can go quite far and if he doesn't then they're in a lot of trouble so just what did you make of the limited attacking opportunities that they did have in this game yeah I think that was just a reflection of the overall game but yeah it was a tough night for for Garcia I think it kind of he, he nearly broke through at the beginning <laughs> took Callum Irving's head off with a high boot that probably fortunate not to get booked for but I think after that, it was just a, a tough night for, for him, or tough afternoon, sorry, for, for him. And I think it's it's tough as a striker when you're not getting many touches like that. I think uh, just li- little things like even off the ball, uh, when you're not, you're not getting deep, you're not getting the touches. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see because I think the talent's there. Like when Salter, he had a breakthrough in the, the second half, nearly, nearly found a nice goal. Akeem Garcia as well. We know the quality he has. It's easy to forget that I think he has total over like – uh, you know, a dozen goals in, in the CPL in his first few years. So he's obviously got the quality. Uh, there is, there's quality there. And uh, it's just, you know, we see it again also adding to that with Corey Bent's wonderful goal. It's, a, it's an, an indication of the quality. It's just about finding those spaces. I mean, they weren't helped by playing a very solid Pacific back four as well. I mean, who would have thought in a game uh, like this that defense would be the story on, on both sides? But I think Bent uh Salter and Garcia there's there's quality there it's just a matter of getting them the ball from the midfield more often uh, it's finding those pockets it's it's allowing them to show that quality because there was glimpses but there just wasn't enough and that's always going to be hard in, in a game like this yeah great points defense was very important um question in the chat will Garcia be able to provide enough for Halifax to actually challenge for a playoff spot well I think it, we answered that I think they need help and I think it's coming uh, I think it's pretty clear uh, that they're not going to sit on their hands and wait to uh, hope that these guys go out there without Morelli all year. They're going to replace Morelli. Um, and with the new league provision that we've seen come in, already used by York United for the addition of Austin Michi, I think we should expect something eventually to happen. And Halifax need it. Um, and again, yeah. best wishes to Jean Morelli in his continued recovery. Um, before we get to the Pacific side with Alex, let's hear and get some reaction from them in the press conference that Alex was at. Here is their head coach, James Merriman. Yeah, and, and credit to us for the way we responded in the second half. And we said we wanted to play a 90-minute game today. Um, and I thought the way that we finished was very good. I'm happy for Diaz to get a uh, continue his scoring. Um, you know, I thought it was a deserved result. James, obviously referring to the fact that it didn't think that they played the full 90 minutes the prior week, even though they did win that game as well. Um, here's also reaction from defender Thomas Mia-Jagir, who obviously kept his team in it to allow them to get the winner late in this match. 
it's amazing to watch them. I think we so we're very proud when we watch them. We watch the Bustos enjoying himself, creating chance, Manu scoring goals, Diaz scoring goal. It's very nice. Again, uh, we're proud. I'm really happy for them. They deserve it. They work very hard at training, and uh, if we can help them by playing playing better, finding them, and just helping helping them to enjoy themselves, we're very happy about it. TMG, who had a different defensive partner this weekend with Samaki coming in and Didich left on the bench with a big midweek chat. Midweek uh, trip returned to him to Edmonton. Um, overall, your reaction on Pacific, Alex, I know you covered this in your analysis as well, and ability to just find a win again as this team looks one of the strongest, if not the strongest in our league at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I think it was it was a tough game. I mean, watching back, it was a very tough game to analyze. There just wasn't a whole lot going on. Chances were, were hard to come by. It was just one of those games where there's lots of duels all over the pitch. And Pacific comes out on top. I think that's champion's mentality. It's one of those games where you could have easily let it slip away, especially at the end. It's a 1-1. Halifax is putting fighting tooth and nail to, to get a point. They just continued to, to knock. And for, for me, was what was most impressive is their clinical ability. Because I think in the past, you see a lot of Pacific's games when they score goals. It's always, they seem to be like a volume team. They love to get chances. You see that Valor game where it was so many chances. They should have had more. They etch out a 3-2 win. Whereas this game, there weren't many chances, mm. uh, you know, in terms of shots and expected goals. I ran through those numbers earlier. Barely anything, yet they come up with the win. It was really a game where they showed, I guess, a mix of their that that attitude that that mentality and then also a mix of just the quality they have in their front four and I think that's huge for for a team because there's going to be games where you you face a tough opponent you're not getting much uh, you're you're limited on, on your time on their ball they, they know what you can bring and they're really trying to stop you and you get two chances you, you score two of them you win this is a, a game where you look back and you think oh if Pacific drop points maybe this proves to be costly in, in the long run so overall thoughts on them I was just very impressed with the professionalism and you, you, you take a tough environment and you win like that these are the sorts of wins you absolutely need over the course of a season because uh, you, you'd, you'd regret it if you didn't and the fact that that they continued their hot run at home is, is fantastic yeah and they're certainly going to take pride in every point that they have at home they they want that starlight stadium to be that fortress and to this point it has you know if you are gifted by the schedule gods to have three home games to open the season uh then you need to bank those points it's very important and yeah, champion mentality is an important, probably a good phrase there, Alex, because they are a, a team that finds ways to win, even when it's not the same as, as other games. You know, they're not going to be able to play that massive free flowing football every single week, especially when you've got a midweek away game coming up and then a game the next weekend. You know, Pacific comes into this game with a completely different left side with uh, with Jordan Haynes coming in and, and, and Polisi instead of Nathan Mavilla and Josh Hurd, who are two of their most important players, in my opinion, especially her just with his ability to drive the ball forward. So I don't know, Alex, are, are we starting to see a little bit of this depth show up for Pacific? I think it's absolutely a huge thing because, uh, you know, it was kind of brought up to me before the game. It's something else they forget. They have CONCACAF League to keep an eye on, uh, you know, draw for that slowly coming up. They got those games in the summer. They want to do well in the Canadian Championship, obviously gifted uh, a, a buy due to their performance last year. They're going to want to do well there. This isn't just a team that will want to focus on the CPL. I think the fact that they had that run and that kind of taste last year in the Canadian Championship, they feel like they can do that. And I think this depth is a huge example. I think you look at the back four, you remove Amir Didich, one of the best center backs in the league. You remove Nathan Mavila, very solid fullback. And you, you don't miss a beat. Like Abdu Samake filled in seamlessly. You kind of almost forgot that they had Didich on the bench. I think I saw him come out for warm up in the second half. I was like, oh yeah, he's he's around. That's someone they could have could have just relied on if needed. You got you know same with Jordan Haynes. He's always been a player I've been fascinated with for the since his days in, in, in with the TSS Rovers back in USL League Two. He continues to show his quality, and there's just that sort of depth all over the field. The fact that you can bring out Josh Hurd and bring in a Matteo Polisi. You know, you got that sort of rotational option. You bring in, you know, two names that I'm sure we'll, we'll see in the midweek, Gennaro Daniels and, and, and Johnny DeSantos also off the bench late on. Uh, they really helped Pacific, you know, kill off the game at the end with how they held onto the ball and, and brought, brought it into the, the, the corners and, and whatnot. So I think Pacific's depth is, is huge, especially in all areas of the field that they can afford to, to rotate in a game like this because I don't know if there's you know many coaches who, who would look at a game like this you're playing a tough Halifax side 
and feel comfortable to rotate with an eye on the future. Yet Pacific has that ability. They always had it last year and they showed it. And I think it's it's massive because sometimes in these congested schedules, you start to over rely on guys, you, you pick up nagging injuries. Uh, it really makes it hard to pick up results. So I, I thought full credit to, to Pacific, how they were able to, to rotate. And I think that will bode very well for them as they, they start to endure this, this tough stretch of games. It was interesting Great. to me, just before, before you go ahead, Christian, it's interesting to me that James Merriman almost seemed happier with this game than the one last week where they yeah. were dominant in the attack and maybe didn't finish their chances. So it's maybe indicative of them trying to, to win these more difficult ones like that. Yeah, different ways to win, right? As, uh, as you said, the mark of a, of a champion. Great stuff, Alex. Uh, everyone can go read Alex's analysis piece from the stadium himself, campio.ca. Uh, the reasons why he loved the Halifax double pivot midfield, why he gave Manny Aparicio the, the man of the match in midfield to Pacific as well. Uh, lots of love for the front four as well. Alex, great stuff, my man. And you'll be speaking to James Merriman and Alan Koch later, and you're our man for the midweek match on Wednesday, live on One Soccer, Edmonton against Pacific at 9 o'clock Eastern on Wednesday night. Uh, thanks again, Alex. We'll chat with you next week. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Great stuff, Alex Gangay Rizik on all things West Coast for us. Uh, we move on and to the East Coast, where Charlie and I were in Tim Hortons Field on Saturday as Forge get their first win of the season. As we take a look at the highlights there, and in the end, FC Edmonton, who came in on the back of two one-one draws, I uh, just couldn't get anywhere near Forge and couldn't really lay a glove on them. In the end, a fortunate, you know, obviously it was a penalty, but a fortunate win went against the uh, FC Edmonton. You can see with the high boot there, no doubt about the decision. Uh, but in the end, uh, this was the fortunate part that I was discussing, Charlie. When Andreas Vekler makes a great save like that and then suddenly isn't there to find the rebound, um, that was pretty much downhill from there for FC Edmonton. Yeah, for Andreas Vekler, because I think he actually had a lot of work to do to, in this game and he saved a lot of pretty difficult shots, including that one. So not rewarded for it. But yeah, that was really the turning point of this game because Edmonton did defend quite well. They were quite difficult to break down. Forge didn't have a shot in in this game until like the 25th minute despite having i think like almost 75 percent of possession in that time so it was kind of a, an exercise in patience and hoping that that moment would come and then as soon as that goal happened edmonton is forced to open up a little bit more uh which they did they started trying to to at least switch the play from side to side a little more and eventually forge found more of those holes and those channels to run into as they often do uh, so, you know, they go into halftime 2-0 up, and from there, it's it's a really, really difficult hill to climb for Edmonton, especially with them having the Wednesday game to look forward to as well. Yeah, really, almost a perfect storm uh, at this point for Edmonton. Like, they, yeah. you know, they, they came off 2-1-1 draws. They got a Forge, and Forge didn't win a game yet. You almost kind of knew that Forge would be a little bit more up for it than ever. Um, yeah. But, yeah, Forge get their win. Uh, three points and three goals. Here's the reaction of their boss, Bobby Smigniewicz. Yeah, one thing uh, Edmonton has shown in the first couple of games is uh, they get points. Uh, they know how to be in games and they know how to make things difficult on their opponents. That's what they did in the first two games. Um, so sometimes uh, these are the toughest ones because perception uh, doesn't uh, translate to what you need to do on the pitch. You need to stick to what you need to do. Uh, in the first half, I thought Edmonton was very good. They sat in a very deep block, a little deeper than uh, than we thought. Uh, we had planned on just based on their last two uh, two games. Um, so you needed the moments uh, to get in behind. You needed to be a little bit sharper, and that always makes things a little difficult and uh, open to the counterattack. Those are the vulnerabilities in the game. Um, but credit to the guys. They, they stuck to what we talked about and needed a lot of patience in this match. And when you're able to get the goals in this game, that opens things up. And I think that's what happened in the second half. We were able to uh, open the lines. We changed our formation a little bit um, in the second half uh, just to be able to keep a lot better possession, uh, keep our guys a little bit more static in places, and then uh, also watch for the transitions. And I think that helped us a lot. We created a lot of high-quality opportunities in the second half. We've only uh, scored one more, but uh, happy all around with the performance. One thing we know about Forge is they're really not changing their tactical identity during a game these days. <laughs> not only did they change their formation with Alexander Ashnoy Janssen again, outstanding moving to a back three. They also flipped the, the, the centre-backs. They flipped the wingers. They gave a different look at yeah. things in the second half. Uh, and the other thing we know about Forge is sometimes in the past, their coach and everybody really associated with them have felt that they haven't scored enough goals based on their chances. Um, hence the signing of Terran Campbell, who you called has finally arrived. That was your analysis piece, Charlie, at Campio. That season been playing since February, but it felt like the day Terran Campbell finally arrived, end quote. Yeah. Uh, and it was Terran Campbell's day, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was. This is the Terran Campbell that we all knew and loved at, loved at Pacific. 
Uh, he's just got that ability that I don't think any of any of the other Forge attackers we've seen in the last couple of years have had, where he can make those those very smart runs into the box. He can pull defenders along his shoulder; they'll follow him along, and he'll hold them off. He'll be able to spot. You know, can I can I finish this? Do I need to square it for Tristan Borges as he did in this game? Uh, he's not necessarily a striker that scores all of the beautiful highlight real goal real goals because yeah. he's very very good at just getting himself into the right position and having just enough space for himself to get the touch he needs on it to score the goal i think i think he said that his second goal of this game forge's third was like a weird kind of bounce he has to hold off niall higgins making the run in and he said it went off his knee into the net um i i haven't i can't see from the angle really where it hits him but it looked like a pretty good finish anyway just for him to be able to hold off the defender like that. But yeah, this is this is a fantastic game for Campbell, and it's exactly the reason that Forge signed him, for him to be able to make those runs and to be the guy that can run onto those balls that these wingers can make, because obviously Forge has those great wingers. In this game, it was Borges and Chouanier. It wasn't working so much in the first half hour, so they swap wings around then, and then Chouanier's coming in on his right foot uh, from the left side, plays Campbell through, and that's the second goal, because Borges is completely unmarked at the back post so it's a, a scary thing to find this new element at forge yeah it's fascinating right because you know Terran campbell as you alluded to has become almost this 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 one touch finisher the one who's finishing mm -hmm. all of the, the forge's dominant play but when last year we played for pacific you know it became a contender for player of the year majority of his time was played out wide in a three because yeah. diaz was playing as the nine and he, he got a lot of minutes when bustos was injured so they've kind of i you know, looked at that and thought we th we still think he can be that number nine. I probably agree. I think he's best served as that nine. Um, yeah. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. He also Borges played almost as that wide player with Becker further up with Ajabapur and Janssen behind them in midfield. So lots of tactical versatility. Uh, but in the end, it was Forge and Terran Campbell's day. Here is more with Bobby Smiliotis on his new number nine. Yeah, Campbell's going to score a lot of goals here. That's uh, the one thing I am uh, I am sure of. Uh, whether they come now, they come a little bit later. They come, uh, you know, one game at a time. Um, he's the guy in the box, uh, and that's what he does. And uh, yeah, he scored a, a goal in the second half by being in the right uh, place. And uh, you know, he's put one on a platter for Borges by being in the right place and making those right runs, those vertical runs in the box that are very important for us with all of the ball movement we have. So I'm happy for him because obviously, for uh, for a striker, you want to have that success and and feel the back of the net, and that keeps uh, the momentum going going forward. Forge get their first win. FC Edmonton get their first loss. Not an ideal day for them. Some good individual performances. Again, I like Simmons. I like Larry. I thought he played well. Uh, Master Catcher had a go. Was really direct. Couldn't get Wolszewski in the game. Uh, and in the end, it was not a good performance by them. And a tough week. They flew home on Sunday. Uh, arrived back. They're training this week. They play Pacific at home on Wednesday. And then fly again as they go out to Halifax to play on Saturday. Uh, in Halifax, I believe, with their home opener. So that'll be an interesting yes. one as well for Edmonton to be on the wrong end of that. Uh, before we wrap up and we get to the game on Friday in York, here are the thoughts of FC Edmonton head coach, Alan Koch. Uh, for being brutally honest, which we should be, and we just were with the team, I think it was men against boys today. Uh, I think we looked timid. I think we looked anxious. Um, yeah, we knew we are going to have to come here and defend. But obviously, when you defend... Uh, you hope to to get the ball at some stage. Uh, and I thought we got the ball at strategic moments in the first half, but we gave it away way too easily. Uh, and then that just compounds the problem. You just defend and defend and defend. Uh, when that happens, eventually they're getting closer and closer to your goal. Um, so, yeah, a little bit disappointing from, from that perspective. Uh, a lesson, uh, but with the young group like we have and what we're going to go through, we're going to go through lessons. This, this will not be the last game that we'll have like this this year. Uh, but we want to learn from them. We want to grow from it. And we challenge the players now uh, to to reflect. Uh, and when we get back to Edmonton, tell us what they've learned from this exercise uh, because it was a challenge and we weren't even close to getting anything out of the game today. As honest uh, as, as you can be, uh, as you'd expect from, yeah. from Alan Koch. Um, uh, from Saturday afternoon in Hamilton to Friday night in York, we continue our travels across the game Premier League Week 3. Charlie and I were there again on Friday night, and we're all the highlights as York United get their first victory of the season uh, in probably what was almost a comprehensive victory over Cavalry, maybe a strong word, but Tommy Wilden Jr. certainly felt the right team won the Cavalry boss at the end as well. A really bright start by both teams. Charlie and I were both watching the sidelines for a long part of this game. Very direct, Charlie. A fascinating open game, uh, which I thought was really good as well. 
Lots to get mm -hmm. into here with Isaiah Johnson's positioning be a little bit higher, the directness of York. And in the end, I thought playing around Cavalry, Cavalry's back three, was a big part of this game. A lot of their success came from wide areas and a sensational header by Oliver Minitel. We knew one of the guys would store that would used to play for one of the other teams. And in the end, uh, it was Minitel, Charlie. Yeah, I was hoping it would be Nico Giantsopoulos, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was a fun game. I think we knew what kind of game it was going to be when uh, when Ali Moussi got absolutely crunched like three seconds into the game. By Jordan Wilson, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was, it was an entertaining one. We saw York kind of spend a few minutes trying to figure out what cavalry were going to look like. Uh, you know, we saw Oliver Minitel continuing to kind of stretch them out and stand way over in space on that left wing. Uh, and, and Ferrari was obviously on that right as well in this game. And they eventually start switching to play more these big balls out to out to either of them. They try and get around that cavalry back three. And that is ultimately, I mean, argue kind of how they score both of their goals. They both come from those wide areas, right? With those, those switches of play. Uh, so York, certainly this is the big step forward for them. Congratulations to Martin Nash on his first win with this club. I don't think there's a, a more fitting opponent for it to come against, really. But uh, yeah, quite a quite a, a well-drilled performance for York, who are starting to to show what they want to be this season. I think we're starting to see where they want their goals to come from, what they want to be able to do, and, and who's going to be difference makers for this club. Yeah, a very, very well-organized team. A very settled team in their identity. A team, I think, that plays quite deep but comfortable with that. They get their wide players forward. I'm talking of York here. Uh, midfield that do not, I don't, that, that are not unpredictable, do not lose their defensive responsibilities. Wilson alongside Verhoeven, I think, work really, really well. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, they, they stay where they need to be. They combine the space. They took away the, any kind of space for, for Joe Mason, who I, I think you wrote, I, I think, what, 27 touches and no shots on goal. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, just yeah. Not, you take take Mason out of the game, and then suddenly Cavalry got a, got other options, right? They haven't got a lot of attacking options at the moment. So, no, yeah, Cavalry really, really just couldn't find Mason in this game. Yeah. You know, in a game where not only does he have twenty seven touches, but his winger Ali Musi had fifty four. Right. That's that does that's quite indicative of of there being a bit of a disconnect there because yeah, you could see kind of Dom Zator and, and Roger Thompson, the two center backs, very deliberately keeping Joe Mason in between the two of them. And then obviously, obviously Verhoeven and, and Jordan Wilson were able to shield him off as well. And York did, they kind of won this game in midfield in many ways, just because of the way that they were able to stop Cavalry from playing there. They had the third man in there with, with Verhoeven, Wilson and Isaiah Johnston, who we should speak about as well. But that three against, against Cavalry's two of Latore and Charlie Trafford, uh, York had the advantage there. And clearly Cavalry had wanted to, to play in there a little bit, but they couldn't really. So uh, they, they just couldn't find the spaces they needed or, or the balls into into attacking players that they needed to really harm York. So uh, that's certainly something that Cavalry will be working on, I think, in training this week. Yeah, we'll get to Cavalry in a minute. I've got some more thoughts on them. But before we do that here, like you mentioned it, is his first victory as head coach of York United. Here is Martin Nash. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought we, uh, we came out of the gates a little bit slow at the start, to be honest. We kind of felt them out a little bit. But uh, I thought we were really good in the first half i thought we could add two to be honest and maybe even three we had we created a bunch of chances and um what really pleased me about the first half we didn't let them create much uh, they didn't have a lot of great chances they got in some good areas but we really snuffed it out well and um we're really good in the defensive end really good in the defensive end and helped by of course the goal by oliver minatel the brazilian who had one man on his mind when he scored the goal let's hear from him after this one Actually, uh, today, this, this goal dedicated to João. He's a good friend of mine from Halifax. And uh, as we all know, he's, he's out for the season. It's always sad to see players uh, with, with that type of injury. So I'll dedicate the, this goal for him. And obviously, my, my family, my close friends, they're, they're always with me, supporting me. So they know, they know there's something special for them. Class act as ever there, giving a dedication to Jean Morelli, obviously out for the season and his fellow Brazilian. Uh, let's get into Cavalry. Uh, I, I, we'll hear from Tommy Wilden Jr. in a second, but I know it's only three games and this team's going to get stronger. They've got three games that all played away from home, all in Ontario. We talked about schedule and it's been the opposite of Pacific. So it's not a balanced yeah. schedule right now. We can't isolate in the league table and say best teams winning, worst teams last. It's just not going to happen, Charlie. But they are bottom. They are bottom of the league, and we, you know, we have to highlight that because 
I don't think that's ever happened before uh, where they've been no. bottom of the league. So this is the first. I know it's only three games in, so I never look at the league table too often, but we have to highlight it. Um, and I know they'll be disappointed with the performance. It wasn't like the week before where they played well enough to win. They didn't play well enough to win in this game. So what areas are you concerned about? I'll start. I think sometimes the wide players play a little bit too narrow. that It just mm-hmm. becomes a bit congested. The back three, uh, I know why he plays it, but it requires the fullbacks to really be involved in the game. And they don't have that farsi player right now that, you know, they need to, you know, I think someone needs to get to that level. And, and maybe that is Fraser Ed going forward, maybe with, with a bit more form. Um, and if you can get Klomp or and or Trafford to kind of come out, suddenly, you know, you get spaces in between the middle. So there's, there's some work to be done, no, for Tommy Wilden Jr. here, as obviously they get ready to play Pacific. And we could well be talking about them winning next week at home against yeah. the champs because they get home. But uh, some question marks a little bit about a puzzling performance, no? Yeah, it was kind of a, a weird one for Cavalry. I think the, the wingbacks are an important one to point out because, again, when you've got, it's Ben Fisk and Fraser Aird who are playing kind of just as wingers in a lot of phases of the game. And uh, a team like York is one that can punish that. So they got caught quite high at the pitch a lot of times in this game. And that's kind of how uh, Minitel and, and Max Ferrari were able to get behind them. Yeah. Um, they Cavalry just seemed to be spending a lot, especially in the first half of time, trying to like throw different things at the wall in the final third and see what stuck. You know, they, they swapped Ali Moussi and Meyer Bevan like two or three times their, their wings in that first half. And, and neither was really able to, to find what they needed. You know, Moussi got his touches on the ball and he was able to, to drive forward a bit, but uh, not able to really get into the box the way he was against forge the week before. So I'm, I'm not sure what exactly it's going to take for this team. I think, I wonder if I'd like to see Jose Escalante get a start mm-hmm. on this side, maybe in that left wing back role, because he has a bit of a different kind of dynamism to to maybe what Ben Fisk has there. And maybe you even put Fisk on a wing or something like that. But what, what about a back four, Charlie? What about that's that? the thing? Because Dan Klomp can play right back. Yeah. He did a few times last year. I mean, so can Frazier Aird, to be honest. But uh, you do wonder that. I think maybe if you do go to a back four and you can either put put four across midfield or, or maybe put another guy, an extra guy in there to try and find Joe Mason centrally as playing as, as a 10 or something. Uh, that might be an interesting one. You know, Sergio Camargo was hurt for this game. Maybe he yeah. can come in and, and play as a 10 or something. And we have to say they've been obviously crippled by injuries, right? Just battered. Yeah, right? absolutely. Like, you know, we talk about other teams getting significant injuries. We have to say, you know, there's been a lot of players. Camargo's now, uh, now out. DKR is already out. We know about, you know, all of their injuries so far, you know, with mm-hmm. Novak and Field and, you know, you know, we have to say Adekubi is back playing, but is still affected by his injury because he's not fully 100%. So we know all of yeah. that is to come. Um, but, you know, I'm just thinking next week, you know, if Hurd's back or against Bustos, we know Pacific are dynamic down that wide areas. How are they going to, you know, if they play yeah. a four, maybe that might be better. Yeah, the back three against uh, against Pacific, especially with those high wing backs, is uh, a recipe for trouble. If you ask me, yeah. I think because uh, especially if Josh Hurd comes back in for Pacific and he's able to run directly in behind Fraser Aird or something like that, uh, that could be a difficult game for Cavalry. But it's an interesting one. The other thing that I think we have to mention with Cavalry is they're also quickly they're already they already have injury troubles. They're quickly going to run into suspension troubles too. Yeah, because Dan Klomp has three yellow cards. As does Jose Escalante. Karifa Yao got a second one in this game. I think all of their center backs have at least one yellow card. Uh, this is not what you want <laughs> right. if you're Cavalry, because if you're already you know, in trouble with players being injured and you're trying to build something tactically, you can't have this happening. And especially if you get yellow cards early in games, as they have been, you have to back off at times, right? Because you don't want players getting sent off or anything like that so that's another thing that tommy wheel jr did address post game he said it has to stop they really have to figure that out as well so yeah. things to things to think about for cavalry i'm looking forward to sunday i like latori and charlie trafford together in midfield i think they got a bit of bite they're very technical they cover a lot of ground maybe they need a bit of help but i like that yeah. i do like that with ledger would be retired now that i like that there's something there i think yeah um before we wrap up here are the thoughts of tommy wilden jr on friday night at york line stadium um I, I, I listen. I think you know credit to Martin and his group. I think the right team won, so we got no complaints. I mean, this is football. You know, you 
got to put your hand up when you don't deserve to win. I don't think we deserve to win because I think their details are right. You know, I've just seen some of the stats there and you know, we dominated in possession, but possession is the worst stat to have because it can make you vulnerable. And they just counted very, very well. They were defensively organised and, you know, they deserve their three points. And uh, Saturday before, this is the first time they beat us. So I've got to take it on the chin and say, look, well done. There we go. Well done indeed. Um, we are into our injury time portion of the show. We're over 60 minutes. Uh, the number's up. Uh, producer Jeff says we've got a minute left. So number one has come up. And we'll do that with the schedule. The schedule for next week, uh, which starts on Wednesday, by the way, in a cracking fixture of FC Edmonton take on Pacific FC at Clark Stadium in Edmonton. Uh, 9 o'clock Eastern. All games live on One Soccer. Another Friday night lights clash at York as they take on Ottawa. That's going to be a spicy one. Uh, Halifax against FC Edmonton on Saturday. It should be a great one as well. Back at the Wanderers grounds. Valor talking about back at home against Forge and Cavalry against Pacific. Uh, I don't know about you, Charlie, but I'm a little biased. I'm always enjoying the week, the week that comes. But that schedule um, in all of those games looks fantastic to me. I can't pick a good game out of them because they're all great. Yep. Three home openers at uh, three of the most fun venues to see a game. I think uh, everybody loves watching watching Halifax play at the Wanderers grounds. Um, and there are three teams that, you know, have have done some impressive things and I think are very excited to finally get home, especially especially Cavalry and and I think Halifax are very excited to get home. And I mean, we'll see Valor can continue that that just unbelievable, unbelievably run that they showed in Ottawa on the weekend. Yeah, it should be a good one. As usual, campiel.ca for all of your analysis, previews, reactions, all the sound that you need to listen to on our YouTube channel as well. If you missed any of this show live, you can go back and listen to it on our podcast. It's also available for you to watch on YouTube. Team of the Week comes out later today on Monday as well here on April 25th. And we'll continue to monitor all of those games. And we'll be back with you next Monday to talk about, again, another fantastic weekend in the Canadian Premier League. Thank you to William Akio in particular for joining us. That was really special. Thanks to Alex. Thanks to Benedict. Nick and Jeff behind the scenes. Charlie and Christian, say thanks. Enjoy the games, everyone. God bless. Take care. And we'll see you next week.